0: In nomine Patris et Filii, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Grant us peace, O Lord, in our days, for there is no other who will fight for us, save but you, our God. The following is a reading from St. Louis Marie de Montfort's The True Devotion to the Blessed Virgin. Chapter 1. The Necessity of Devotion to the Blessed Virgin Would the whole Church, I admit that Mary, being but a mere creature from the hands of the Most High, is, in comparison with its infinite majesty, less than an atom, or rather is just nothing, for he alone is he who is. Consequently, this great Lord, forever independent and self-sufficient, never had, and has not now, any absolute need of the Most Blessed Virgin for carrying out his will, and for manifesting his glory. He has but to will in order to do all things. I say, however, that considering things as they are, considering that God willed to begin and complete his greatest works by the Most Blessed Virgin ever since he made her, we can believe that he will never change his plan in future ages, for he is God, and changes neither in his sentiments nor in his way of acting. First Principle God willed to make use of Mary in the Incarnation God the Father gave his only begotten Son to the world only through Mary. Whatever sighs the patriarchs may have uttered, whatever prayers the prophets and the saints of the old law may have offered for 4,000 years to obtain that treasure, it was Mary alone who merited it and found grace before God. By the power of her prayers and the eminence of her virtues. The world was unworthy, says St. Augustine, to receive the Son of God directly from the hands of the Father. So he gave him to Mary, That the world might receive him through her. The Son of God became man for our salvation, but in Mary and by Mary. God the Holy Ghost formed Jesus Christ in Mary, but after having asked her consent by one of the foremost ministers of his court. God the Father communicated to Mary his fruitfulness, as far as a mere creature was capable of receiving it, to enable her to produce his Son and all the members of his mystical body. God the Son came down into her virginal womb as the new Adam into his earthly paradise to take his delight therein and there to work in secret wonders of grace. God made man, found his liberty in being imprisoned in her womb. He displayed his power by allowing himself to be born by this little maiden. He found his own glory and that of his father in hiding his splendors from all creatures here below, revealing them to Mary alone. He glorified his independence and his majesty by depending on this lovable virgin in his conception, his birth, his presentation in the temple, in his hidden life of thirty years, and even in his death, at which she had to be present, that he might make with her but one same sacrifice and be immolated with her consent to the Eternal Father, just as Isaac was formerly sacrificed with Abraham's consent to the will of God. It is she who suckled him, fed him, supported him, reared him, and sacrificed him for us. O admirable and incomprehensible dependence of a God, which the Holy Ghost could not leave unmentioned in the Gospel, although he has hidden from us almost all the wondrous things which the incarnate wisdom did during his hidden life, In order to show us its worth and infinite glory. Jesus Christ gave more glory to God his Father by his thirty years submission to his mother than he would have done in converting the whole world by working the greatest miracles. Oh how greatly we glorify God when to please him we submit ourselves to Mary after the example of Jesus Christ our sole model. A close examination of the remainder of the life of Jesus Christ shows us that he willed to begin his miracles through Mary. By her word he sanctified John in the womb of his mother, St. Elizabeth. No sooner had she spoken than John was sanctified. This was his first and greatest miracle in the order of grace. At her humble prayer he changed water into wine at the marriage feast at Cana. This was his first miracle in the order of nature. He began and he continued his miracles by Mary, and to the end of time he will continue them by her. God the Holy Ghost, being barren in God, that is, producing no other divine person, became fruitful by Mary, whom he espoused. It is with her, and in her, and of her, that he produced his masterpiece, God made man. And with her and in her, daily, to the end of time, he produces the predestinate and the members of the body of this adorable head. It is for this reason that the more he finds Mary, his dear and inseparable spouse, in a soul, the more active and powerful it becomes to produce Jesus Christ in that soul, in that soul, in Jesus Christ. This does not mean that the Blessed Virgin gives fruitfulness to the Holy Ghost, as if he did not possess it. For, being God, he has, like the Father and the Son, fruitfulness, or the capacity to produce, although he does not put it into act, since he produces no other divine person. But it means that through the Blessed Virgin whom he deigns to use, without absolutely needing her, the Holy Ghost puts into act his fruitfulness, producing in her and by her Jesus Christ and his members, a mystery of grace unknown even to the most learned and spiritual of Christians. Second Principle God wishes to make use of Mary in the sanctification of souls. The plan that the three persons of the Blessed Trinity followed in the Incarnation, the first coming of Jesus Christ, They still follow each day in an invisible manner throughout Holy Church, and they will pursue it to the end of time in the last coming of Jesus Christ. God the Father made an assemblage of all waters, and he called it the sea. He made an assemblage of all his graces, and he called it Mary. This great God has a treasure house, a most wealthy store, in which he has enclosed all that this beautiful, resplendent, rare, and precious even his own son. And this immense treasury is none other than Mary, whom the saints call the treasure house of the Lord, from the plentitude of which all men are made rich. God the Son communicated to his mother all that he acquired by his life and death, his infinite merits and his admirable virtues, and he made her the treasure of all that his father gave him as heritage. By her he applies his merits to his members. By her he communicates his virtues and distributes his graces. She is his mysterious channel, his aqueduct, through which he makes his mercies flow gently and abundantly. God the Holy Ghost communicated his unspeakable gifts to Mary, his faithful spouse, and he chose her as the dispensatrix of all he possesses, so that she distributes all his gifts and graces to whom she wills, in the measure she wills, how she wills, and when she wills nor does he give any heavenly gift to man which does not pass through her virginal hands. For such is the will of God, who has decreed that we should have all things through Mary, so that she who made herself poor and lowly, and hid herself in an abyss of nothingness by her profound humility during her whole life, might thus be enriched, exalted, and honored by the Most High. Such are the views of the Church and the Holy Fathers. St. Bernard and St. Bernardine are quoted here by Saint de Montfort. Were I speaking to the free thinkers of these times, I would prove at greater length all that I now state so simply by the sacred scriptures, by the Holy Fathers, of whom I would give the Latin quotations, and also by solid arguments, which can be seen in full in Father Porter's book, La Triple Corone de la Santa Virge, the threefold crown of the Blessed Virgin. But as I speak particularly for the poor and simple, who, being of good will and having more faith than the generality of learned men, believe more simply and more meritoriously, I am content to state the truth to them with simplicity, without stopping to quote the Latin passages which they would not understand. Nevertheless, I shall quote some of these texts without, however, going out of my way to do so. But to continue, Inasmuch as grace perfects nature, and glory perfects grace, it is certain that our Lord remains in heaven just as much as the Son of Mary as he was on earth, and that, consequently, he has retained the submission and obedience of the most perfect of all children towards the best of all mothers. But we must take care not to consider this dependence as an abasement or imperfection in Jesus Christ. For Mary, infinitely inferior to her Son who is God, does not command him as an earthly mother commands her child who is inferior to her. Mary, completely transformed in God by the grace and glory which transforms all the saints in him, neither asks, wishes, nor does anything contrary to the eternal and unchangeable will of God. When, therefore, we read in the writings of St. Bernard, St. Bernardine, St. Bonaventure, etc., that in heaven and on earth, all, even God himself, is subject to the Blessed Virgin, they mean this, The authority which God has been pleased to give her is so great that she seems to have the same power as God. Her prayers and requests are so powerful with him that they are taken as commands by the Divine Majesty, who never resists his dear mother's prayer, because it is always humble and conformed to his will. If Moses, by the power of his prayer, curbed God's anger against the Israelites so effectively that the Most High and Infinitely Merciful Lord unable to withstand him, asked him to let him grow angry and punish that rebellious people. What then must we not think, with all the more reason, of the prayer of the humble Mary, worthy mother of God, which is more powerful with his majesty than the prayers and intercession of all the angels and saints in heaven and on earth? And here he references a sermon from Saint Augustine. In heaven Mary commands the angels and the blessed, in reward for her profound humility, God has given her the power and office of filling with saints the empty thrones from which the apostate angels fell by pride. Such is the will of the Most High who exalts the humble, that heaven, earth, and hell, willingly or unwillingly, should comply with the commands of the humble Mary, whom he has made sovereign of heaven and earth, general of his armies, keeper of his treasures, dispensatrix of his graces, worker of his wonders, restorer of the human race, mediatrix of men, destroyer of the enemies of God and loyal companion of his greatness and his triumphs. God the Father wishes to make for himself children by Mary till the end of time, and to her he says these words, In Jacob, in Habita, dwell in Jacob. That is to say, take up thy dwelling and abode in my children, in my predestinate, prefigured by Jacob, and not in the children of the devil, and the reprobate, prefigured by Esau. Just as in natural and corporal generation there is a father and a mother, so in the supernatural and spiritual generation there is a father who is God and a mother who is Mary. All true children of God, the predestinate, have God for their father and Mary for their mother. And he who has not Mary for his mother has not God for his father. This is why the reprobate, such as heretics, schismatics, etc., who hate, despise, or ignore the Blessed Virgin, do not have God for their father, though they glory that they have, because Mary is not their mother. Indeed, if they had her for their mother, they would love and honor her as a good, and true child naturally loves and honors the mother who gave him life. The most infallible and unmistakable sign by which we may distinguish a heretic, a man of false doctrine, a reprobate, from a predestinate soul, is that the heretic and the reprobate show only contempt or indifference for Our Lady, and strive by word and example, openly or secretly, to diminish love and veneration for her, sometimes under specious pretext. Alas, God the Father has not told Mary to take up her dwelling in them, because they are other Esau's. God the Son wishes to form Himself and, so to speak, to become incarnate every day through His Blessed Mother and His members. To her, He says, In Israel hereditare, let thy inheritance be in Israel. As if he said, God my Father has given me for heritage all the nations of the earth, all men good or bad, predestinate and reprobate. The former I will rule with a rod of gold, and the latter with a rod of iron. To the former I shall be a father and advocate, to the latter the just avenger. Of them all I shall be judge, but you, dear mother, will have for your heritage and possession only the predestinate, prefigured by Israel. As their mother you will bear them, nourish them, rear them. As their sovereign you will lead, govern, and defend them. This man and that man is born of her, says the Holy Ghost. Homo et homo natus est in hea. Psalm 86, 5 According to the explanation of some of the fathers, Origen, St. Bonaventure, and others, The first man that is born of Mary is the man-God, Jesus Christ. The second is mere man, the child of God, and of Mary by adoption. If Jesus Christ, the head of mankind, is born in her, the predestinate, who are members of this head, must also by necessary consequence be born in her. One and the same mother does not bring forth the head without the members, nor the members without the head. It would be a monster in the order of nature. In the order of grace, likewise, the head and the members are born of the same mother, And if a member of the mystical body of Christ, that is, of one of the predestinate, were born of any other mother than Mary, who has brought forth the head, he would not be one of the predestinate, nor a member of Jesus Christ, but a monster in the order of grace. Further, Jesus being still as much as ever the fruit of Mary, as heaven and earth repeat thousands of times a day, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. It is certain that for every man in particular who possesses him, Jesus is as much the fruit in the work of Mary as he is for the whole world in general, so that if any of the faithful have Jesus Christ formed in their hearts, they can boldly say, Thanks be to Mary, what I possess in her product, in her fruit, and without her I would not have him. We can say more truly of her than St. Paul said of himself, Cos iterum paturio donec, Formetur Christus in Vobis. Galatians 4.19. I am in labor again with all the children of God, until Jesus Christ my Son be formed in them to the fullness of his age. Saint Augustine, surpassing himself in all that I have yet said, affirms that to be conformed to the image of the Son of God, all the predestinate are in this world hidden in the bosom of the Blessed Virgin, where they are protected, nourished, cared for developed by this good mother, until after death, called by the church the birthday of the just, she brings them forth to the life of glory. O mystery of grace, unknown to the reprobate, and but little known to the predestinate. God the Holy Ghost wishes to raise up for himself, elect in her and by her, and he says to her, In electis meis mite radices. My well-beloved, my spouse, Place the roots of all thy virtues in my elect, that they may grow from virtue to virtue and from grace to grace. When thou wert living on earth in the practice of the most sublime virtues, I was so well pleased in thee that I still desire to find thee on earth without thy ceasing to be in heaven. Reproduce thyself then in my elect, so that with delight I may see in them the roots of thine invincible faith, profound humility, universal mortification, sublime prayer, ardent charity, Firm hope, and all thy virtues. Thou art ever my spouse, as faithful, as pure, and as fruitful as ever. Let thy faith give me faithful, thy purity virgins, thy fruitfulness temples, and elect. When Mary takes root in a soul, she produces in it wonders of grace, which she alone can produce, for she alone is the fruitful virgin who has never had and never will have her equal in purity and fruitfulness. With the Holy Ghost, Mary produced the greatest thing that ever was or ever will be, a God-man. She will produce, consequently, the greatest things that will come to be in the later times. The formation and education of the great saints, who will live at the end of the world, is reserved to her. For only this singular and miraculous virgin can produce in unction with the Holy Ghost, singular and extraordinary things. When the Holy Ghost, her spouse, finds Mary in a soul he flies there and enters fully. He communicates himself to that soul in abundance and to the extent that it makes room for his spouse. One of the chief reasons why the Holy Ghost does not now work striking wonders in souls is that he fails to find in them a sufficiently close union with his faithful and inseparable spouse. I say inseparable spouse, for from the moment the substantial love of the Father and the Son espoused Mary to form Jesus Christ, the head of the elect, in Jesus Christ, in the elect. He has never repudiated her, for at all times she has been faithful and fruitful. In nomine et filii, Spiritus Sancti. Amen.